previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. So I actually had lunch with Chris Yost the other day, and I was like, hey, uh, you won't believe what I'm doing this week. And I told him, <laughs> he like spit out his Diet Coke. He goes, you know, Saliza was on that show. And I was like, I know. And now you were on the show? And I was like, yeah. And he Ready? listens to us because he would have known. He knew Well, that- he probably just heard who Chuck and Roxy are from. Oh, maybe. I mean, maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe. He does. I don't know. But you know what, Chris? You can still eat it. I know. You know. <laughs> Graham's on before you. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the Loy Littles Podcast. On the WTFC Podcast Network. Hey, Roxy. Hey, Chuck. Hey, hey Littles. Littles. Roxy. Yeah, Chuck? Let's start here. Okay. So wait. I'm back-to-back episode of the week winner on the Loyal Littles Pod. 153 plus 153 Equals 306. Ooh. Double trouble, Jamie Armada, episode 153. <laughs> now, I'm sorry. That's a goocher. I know. That was that totally was a goocher. coincidence. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that's you're trying funny. to set this up now, Roxy, just for some entertainment value. I don't know. No. But speaking of, Roxy. Where are we at? Where are we at? Do we at least have an episode number? We do. 42. 42. Wow, I'm proud of you. 42. Yeah. I, I mean, it still <laughs> makes my head explode, but 42. I was going through them and deleting, and then I was like, oh, right. I'm trying to. Do we know who that is? Thing. We do. Ryan Popovich. Ryan Vegas. Popovich. Oh, Vegas. The first little we ever met. Yes. Technically. Yes. Well, it was. He was definitely the first little we ever Absolutely. met. Absolutely. Definitely in the wild. Yeah. Wow. All right. I wonder if he's still listening. <laughs> Hi, Ryan. If you are. Hopefully. Let us know. All right, maybe we'll get a little something something out to him. Yeah. Episode how cool is that? Forty four now Forty two. Forty two. Now, you know what? I'm just realizing I'm missing something in my notes, Roxy. Uh oh. Yeah, somehow this got left off, and I can't imagine how that would have happened, but I mean it is Chuck here. <laughs> we heard from Mike Kubachek. I think I'm saying that right. Ooh, I like that name. Okay, now I gotta be honest. I don't know if I'm buying this. Okay. This can't be real. Okay. Because I mean these things can be altered. You know, with Photoshop and stuff. Okay. But he sent me a picture of his, I guess, screen, whatever. 517,888 unread is what it says. 517,888. Oh, my gosh. Now that's, I, I'm going to go. I can't. I don't know. I that, just I don't think that's true. That is. I mean, I don't want to call anyone a liar or anything, but. Wait, what was that ever again? 500. I just lost it. 517,000, something like that. 888. Holy wow. That's ridiculous. I mean, that is a lot. But again, like I said last episode, it can get very overwhelming. Okay, but I'm guessing just every email he's ever gotten is just marked as read or marked as unread. Whatever, however you do it. <laughs> but, well, now I'm wondering, like. Because I have a ton of emails in folders. Yeah. So, like, if there's a way to... That haven't been opened? Unmark just... them as... Or mark them as unread, even though they've been read. You know what I'm saying? And then they'll all be new emails. Take the picture and send oh, it into the Loyal Littles podcast thinking um, you're going to get a fancy prize. Yeah. No, I'm just, well, we're I not giving out prizes for the, the largest. Someone would have It's really to just have, bragging rights. Someone would have to have an awful lot of time on their hands to scheme that up. I guess. So not really. It's click, click. Take a picture. Click, click for click, click, snip, 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 snap, snip, snap. <laughs> it's, that's all it is. No, you just go in your box, click all, unread, or yeah, click or all. select all. And yeah, select it. all unread. You know, mark these as unread. I don't know. And then it, I'm still, sure I don't know. I'd have to. That try would it. have to take a lot of like 
hmm, how can I, you know, <laughs> someone has to have a lot of time. It's on 2023, Roxy. Yeah, we don't know this poor guy. So we hopefully we're going to meet him soon. <laughs> so maybe we'll get to the bottom of it then. Sure. We'll do that. Yeah. So anyway. Okay. And then I wanted to uh, do this based on our last episode. Good morning. I am Chris Yost, the best friend of Graham, who he mentioned on his episode. <laughs> yes, I'm pissed he was first. <laughs> now, I He's believe he told you good. to eat it, too. <laughs> told you, I believe he said to eat it. He said, emailing from Norway today. Oh. I'm also an officer in the Navy. I didn't go to school with Rufus, but I do have an interesting life as well. Love to be a part of the show. Big fan. Talk soon. Best Chris episode TBD. Nice. So that's kind of fun. Yeah. That's nice. That's we'll really great. We'll have to have you on sometime. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I don't, we got to figure out that. What's the time I difference? I know. What's the time difference? Oh. I mean, it's no problem. We'll figure it out. But, you know, I'm just curious. I feel like there's a lot of math going on in my head Oh, there's head tons right of now. math. Yeah. Oof. Okay. So, Roxy, before we get into the, the show. Okay. And the great Meet the Littles guest again, mm-hmm. as always. People have been asking about my doctor's appointments, things like that. And I mean, I'm not going to deep dive, deep dive into it, but Mm -hmm. so far so good. I do have to go back for a few things because they found some stuff and we're not even sure what that is and stuff. But they did say nothing alarming, hopefully at this point. Yep. And uh, so that's good news. Yep. I just want to say, though, I really think I've said this before. The Internet's killing us. I don't know. How do old people exist now? (laughs) That's what I want to know. No, because this has been a problem for me. I yeah, do. Yeah, it's been a big problem. Well, because I feel like I'm right in the middle. Yeah. I'm in the sweet spot where I feel like I'd like to think I'm up on a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, I have all these Facebook and, you know, Instagram yeah. and, you know, uh, Twitter or whatever they're calling it now, X. Yeah, I have these accounts. Yeah, right. I think I'm pretty good at utilizing the internet and stuff, but I get where younger people than me, no problem at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm talking about the older people I mean, if everything is just digital and they don't know how to do it or they can't navigate it or whatever, mm-hmm. because there were a couple things that happened to me and I'm kind of pissed about it because it wasn't even my fault. Okay. It was the internet's fault or, you know, whatever, the website's fault, whatever. There was some stuff. It's all about the portal. Everything's in your portal. That's all I keep hearing. Oh, you can go to your portal and do this. You can do that. I had one doctor. I finally reached out to them and they were like, oh, yeah, it's in your portal. I already posted because I was like waiting for results and stuff. I'm like, what are you talking about? No, I don't see anything. And they're like, oh, so I finally got someone on the line to try to deal with it. And he literally said, oh, it's not viewable on the app, but it is on the website. Quote, it's a glitch on our end. Now, how the heck am I supposed to know that? Yeah. So a lot of the things that have been happening to you, Chuck, is mainly technical issues on their end, not you not being able to figure it out. However, I will say sometimes you get overwhelmed, I think, because you're thinking about the older generations and then you kind of fall into that little pit hole of, oh, I get well, curious. well, if they can't figure it out, uh, I can't figure it out. I can't figure it out. So sometimes that happens to yeah. you. You get a little overwhelmed. And I think it's because you're so concerned about everyone else where if you could just sit and process well, you but know, there's while also you're sitting all this there. stuff then in the portal there is a lot but like i said i think it's a little bit of a combination mostly stuff on their end and the technical end that is not your fault and you know it's frustrating that you're dealing with this because ultimately i do think these portals are meant to make things easier but you're also right too where people but that what may about, not understand again, how to use a computer and right use i'm not whatever. talking about tony's generation i'm talking about like my older sisters i have a sister that's 60 i have a sister that's 63 66 right you know where i feel like they're almost on the cusp especially the 60 year old one yeah i just don't understand i get where it's supposed to make things easier you can do it on your phone on the app blah 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 all that Mm -hmm. stuff but then if some of it's not there right 
you know, and you're on the app because they're like, oh, it's just on the app. And yeah. then, but oh, but no, it's on the website. It's a problem with the technology. Yeah, for sure. It's really annoying. And mm-hmm. I think it's causing in some senses right now, I feel like it's causing more problems than good personally for me anyway. Yeah. I, mean, I get honestly, where a lot of people it's not. I'd be curious how many other people are dealing with this kind of situation where things are working, but only sometimes or certain formats of the website, whether it's the app or the actual official website. You know, I'm wondering if other people are struggling with this issue too, or if it's like just certain profiles. Well, they need consistency. They They don't have, it sounds like they don't have consistency. Mm -hmm. And that's to me a major issue. Yeah. Especially for people like anybody. Cause it could happen to me. You know, I am younger than you, but it could happen to me. And if I don't see something, I, yeah, I'm going to freak out and I'm going to call them until I talk to somebody. Well, especially if you, there's some serious stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to dwell in, you know, I'm not going to go and dive into my health issues here if there are any, right. you know, kind of thing. But you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm trying to find the equivalent of something like if they find something, you know, yeah. like, you know, if you, if let's do uh, breast cancer. Yeah. Okay. If, you know, they always say you should check yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You feel a lump. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're like, I better get this checked out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Great. They bring you in, you get a scan. Yeah. Okay. And then you're waiting days, weeks. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? It's not fun. Yeah. Is that really how it, I guess maybe I'm just so oblivious because I haven't been to the doctor in so long, but I would like to think they're just dealing through a portal. Like, I don't know. I, I Where's the yeah. customer service? Where's the, the you know, attention? Manner. The personal. Yeah, the mm-hmm. bedside. I don't know. It just seems like mm-hmm. that kind of situation. Yeah. It was similar to something like that. And I was calling. I'm like, look, I need to, I'd like to know what the scan said. And I can't, oh, did you check your portal? Yes, I checked the portal. I don't see anything. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, that's when this all happened. They were like, oh, well, you're checking the app, not the website. And I'm like, what? Yeah. You know, so anyway, it's so annoying. So frustrating. Yeah. But they don't need to hear our problems, right? <laughs> But Roxy, real quick, I will say this. Yeah. Okay. The actual appointments I've been going to, the care has been fantastic. Good. Okay. Good. Even to the point where there was one, again, I don't want to like, I don't know, maybe I should just open the box and tell everyone, oh, I got this done. I got this done. But there was one procedure in particular where Roxy had to come and get me. Yes. Because they had to put me under a little bit. Yes, the procedure. The procedure, you know. And I will say this. Amazing. Yeah. Like, I Still to this moment, right now, as we're recording, if you told me it never happened, I'd believe you. Yeah. Like, I don't remember a thing. Yeah, because you were out. I didn't feel a thing. But I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I just didn't know what to expect because yeah. I'd never done it before. Well, the and prep stuff. was the hardest part. Well, the prep was the hard. But the other thing is, though, I was a little nervous because one of the main questions they ask you is, have you ever been under? Yeah, right. And I can't. I don't think I have. Yeah. I kept telling them. I'm like, I don't think so. Yeah. I was even trying to think maybe the dentist once. Yeah. I've been under once. I mean, so I'm kind of one of the luckiest SOBs out there, I yeah. guess, because. I was only under for wisdom teeth. So. Yeah. Yeah. I went in with four, only going to take two out. And I came out with all four of them out. <laughs> they just took them out. They did a two for two. Two for two. Yeah. They were amazing. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Sorry I, for another time. I have to say <laughs> the care and just everything. And like I said, I didn't only, I still don't even remember it. Like if you told me, oh, they had to cancel the procedure because of this. Right. I'd believe you. And then just like kept you under until you came out. Right. Or yeah. whatever. I'd believe you. Even after the fact, I thought I'd be yeah. sore no, or something like that. No, but you like got that. pictures. I was, yeah, I got pictures, but. <laughs> that was pretty cool. No, I mean, I don't know. I just, yeah. It was I, like I said, I'd just never been under. I thought because at one point I had an appendix attack when I was a kid, but I know they definitely never took it out. Oh, really? Yeah. No, nothing like that. Yeah. So, yeah, this was my first time. Yeah. I kind of liked it. 
I know. Saying. Didn't you say the nurse woke you up and you're like, why'd you do that? I know. I was like, couldn't I have slept for another hour or something? I was tired. So Well, it was funny. I was there. They called me to right. let me know that you were done and you were just recovering and all that. Right. So it would be another half hour. And I was very concerned. I was like, but he's okay, right? And they were like, yes, he's fine. <laughs> but yeah, so I waited there the whole time and you came out and you were pretty groggy. It was kind of cute. Um, that was okay. You were trying to show that you were completely normal, and that was making it even cuter and funnier. So that was fun. And then we went and got Thai food. Yeah, that was good. That was really we good. We found a new Thai place. I've already been there once. I've been there once. Oh, you have? Yeah, so me? you must have been there twice because you took me, but you had been there once before. No, that's what I just, that's what I meant. So you had I had been there once. <laughs> and You're saying this is our second time this together? This is our second time together. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty remember. sure. I don't remember. Unless it was... <laughs> was it a big date night and I missed it? <laughs> I no, no, nothing uh, like that. Nothing okay. like that. Sorry, I thought this was our first time together. No, this is our second time oh, okay. together. So maybe it was your My second bad. time. Maybe cool. we should move on to corrections. Okay. That was one. Let's no. do it. <laughs> Before I get in more trouble. <laughs> I thought it was somebody trouble. else. thought it was somebody else. Oh, that's okay. No. All right, so we have one correction. Roxy, as the image below shows... The Crunch Bar is by Nestle, not Hershey's. Did uh, you say Hershey's I probably Crunch did. Bar? I don't remember you saying that, but we're going to... I probably We're going to trust somewhere. episode 48. Yes. Roop. Hi, Roop. Roop Sharma. <laughs> that, that's correct. He, I would like to throw in, though, Hershey's does have a Crunch Bar, uh-huh. but it's called Crackle. That's what I was thinking oh, of. Okay. That's what I was yeah, thinking of. Yeah, that's their version of a it, Crunch Bar. Yeah. And it's called Crackle. Okay. It comes in the red. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I, I like always, those. I love those. Yeah. So that's our correction. Uh, lastly, before I meet the little guests, let's just do the save the dates. We have Adam Ferrara, September 1st, Bethesda, Maryland, Bethesda Blues and Jazz Supper Club. Make sure you get your tickets. And then September 5th, La Cheeserie Night. Go to LaCheeserie.com. Big email read on the big show yesterday yeah. about that. So you hear all the events that's happening. Dan Byrne will be there. Yes. Chuck and Roxy. What were we going to say? 99%? 99%. Roxy's still trying to get some work coverage. Yes. So, so if there's any the good fitness out. instructors out there that are, <laughs> that are not going to La Cheeserie Night, <laughs> send them her way so we can get some subs so that we can go and actually enjoy ourselves. Because last time it was crazy. We left right after the game and yeah. drove all through the night. We got back to New York City like around 4.30 in the morning, oh, 5 a.m. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a nightmare. But worth it. Totally worth it. Oh, totally. Anything for the littles, right? Absolutely. Anything for the littles. All right. Speaking of, let's get to our Meet the Littles guest, shall we? Let's do it. A lot of fun. Yeah. And some Little League World Series fun. Ooh. Yeah. So don't go anywhere, littles. We'll be right back with... Meet the Littles. Hey, everybody. This is George Mallet. You are listening to the Loyal Littles podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Played in this episode by John Michael Hersey. 
And this song is called Fat Cat. Fat Cat now, if you like what you hear, you can find all of John's stuff all over the place. Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Amazon, Pandora, Deezer. But the best place to go is to his website, johnmichaelhersey.com, and you can get all the information over there. And as always, we will play the full song, Fat Cat, at the end of the podcast. Mr. Fat Cat. Mr. Fat Cat. my path today Fat cat crossed my path today You don't give a damn about this skinny straight Fat cat crossed my path today He treats my feet just like an old doormat Mr. Fat Cat Alright, all you loyal littles, it's now time to Meet the Littles! And Roxy, Chef. someone we've Sort of met. Sort of. We waved to them. We waved to them. As we passed by. In, in a conga a line. conga line. Of all things. <laughs> but we never met. No. Now, he swears it wasn't because of us. It wasn't that we were too intimidating or whatever. I don't know. He says he was shy. But yeah. we're going to get to the bottom of yeah. it because we're a little bummed about that. But we're happy to meet him now. Please welcome to the podcast, Tom Robinson. Hey, Tom. How's it going? I'll say hello this time. Hello, Chuck. And hello, Rob. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. When I got that email that you're like, well, I was at Jingle Fest, but we didn't say, I didn't say hi because you looked busy or whatever. We feel bad because, you know, we have a lot of things going on. There was at one point where I was trying to scarf down some pizza yeah. that DG bought us. Yeah. And all of a sudden I, I took a bite and I think it was Claire. They were doing they, the raffle. Yep. And they wanted us to come up because they were raffling off our third wheel prize. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh, my God. It just felt like nonstop, yeah. basically. But that's yeah. okay. It was fun. You know, we were happy to see fun. as many people as we could. Yes. Unfortunately, we missed Tom. Yeah. So we're happy that he's here now. Mm-hmm. Tom, as you know, we just turn it over to you. Take a second. Introduce yourself to all the loyal littles out there. All right. Well, my name is Tom Robinson. I spent most of my life in northeastern Pennsylvania, although there were also a few years in Binghamton, New York, a city most littles are familiar with, and a couple in Baltimore mixed in there. Uh, For the last 25 years, I have lived in Clark Summit, which is in the Scranton area of Pennsylvania. My wife, Daria, and I have been married for 37 years, and I have two daughters, Casey and Bridget. I think the one thing is, I think most littles feel a connection to Tony in some way. Uh, I have a few very specific examples that I think hopefully will help identify me with people who follow the podcast. I grew up in Susquehanna. It's a real small Pennsylvania town of about 2,000 people. It's less than 15 miles away from Camp Kiuma. And most of the camps in that area are out in the wilderness around lakes and ponds. And each summer, my family had a a family reunion at my uncle's lake cottage, which was about two miles from the camp. So like Tony, I knew very early on that I wanted to be a sports writer or sportscaster. And I started helping radio, newspapers, even TV stations before I was even a teenager. And I started writing in junior high and was my high school's newspaper sports editor. I I had a few counselors try to convince me to take my statistical work and become an accountant, but that plan didn't last too long. I attended college at SUNY Binghamton, which was known as Hartford College back in Tony's days. And of course, now it was Binghamton University. And most of my career, as I said, has been spent as a sports writer, although it also has evolved at times from strictly writing at newspapers to writing for other types of media, hosting radio shows, co-hosting podcasts, doing color commentary on game broadcasts, all of those same types of things. And 
although I don't think I ever talked, similar to you, uh, to Chuck and Roxy, I don't think I ever talked to them in the press boxes. Uh, I would see Tony and Will Bond and Thomas Boswell back when I was covering things in the Baltimore and Washington market. We were often in the same press boxes or same locker rooms working on stories. And finally, uh, now that Tony has his stories about his three grandsons, I can say my favorite time when I'm with my three grandsons and my granddaughter. So to sum it up, although we come from like vastly different backgrounds, I feel like I can relate to an awful lot of what Tony talks about on his show. And I like to laugh, and he often makes me laugh. So hopefully that explains a little bit about myself, and I apologize for being a little long-winded. Oh, my, oh my God. gosh. No, oh, that was perfect. Concise? <laughs> Just like a sports writer. Yeah, right. What exactly. Are we, what are we going to call this column? Hmm. That's what I want to know. Mm-hmm. So you obviously have so many similarities and connections. Mm-hmm. Now, you said you always knew from when you were a kid this is what you wanted to do, and was Binghamton like your first choice, things like that? Well, actually, uh, my first choice was I got accepted into Syracuse into the broadcast journalism program. Okay. In a world, that is what I would have wanted to pursue. But just the realities at the time, I ended up going to Binghamton. And I listened both to a school counselor and a counselor in the sense of, an, I guess, an advisor, a trusted friend, my father's boss, who really thought I should take all that number crunching and statistics. And I, I majored in accounting and started a part-time job at the sports department of the newspaper while trying to pursue accounting and quickly knew which of those two paths I wanted to head down. And there was no grad school involved, right? No, nothing at all. I uh, quickly, I, I was hired by newspapers to do the statistical work while I was in college. And a couple of situations developed where instead of me supplying the information to the other writers, they said, could you try writing it yourself? And it didn't take long before I was both doing the statistical work, but also covering events and writing various stories. So I became a statistician slash sports writer within really a year or two of graduating of high school. Okay. Okay. Now, so Littles, he did fill out the form here. Mm-hmm. Okay. You said, quote, I knew what I always wanted to do, but you have some things here. The one I'm just amazed by. It says you were the youngest media appearance. Statistics on halftime of local radio broadcast at eight years old? What? Well, my father was pretty heavily involved in starting up a local high school football program in the town where I grew up. So by the second year of that program, I learned math by learning how to keep a baseball scorebook and turn it into the statistics with the batting averages and everything. And I learned a lot the same way in keeping football statistics. So by the time I was seven, I was helping out the coaches, charting all the plays and adding up all the numbers. And fortunately, as a youngster, I was good with those numbers. Mm -hmm. And the local radio station did a series of games, and they spotted me at a few games and asked a few questions. It was uh, WCDL in Carbondale, Pennsylvania. I still remember the two men, Paul Lolas and Joe Martin. And they asked my father if I could come up and talk to him at halftime. And They did a great job. They put me on to read the statistics that I had kept for the first half. And they also interviewed me and asked me questions, you know, why was a kid that young interested in doing it and everything. Made me feel at ease and made it really a comfortable experience. So through all the way through elementary school and high school, when they were at games I was doing, they would often flag me down in the pregame and say, hey, can you come up at halftime and go on the air again? So that's how I got started. I love that. Eight that's, years old. I know, right? That's amazing. I, I'm trying to think of what I was doing at eight years old. 
<laughs> Let's not talk about it. Not that. Yeah, not the other that. part I didn't like is I, I think they introduced me as little Tommy Robinson. And I uh, don't nice. know that I loved that part. My father's name was Tom also. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, then let's go on to number two. He says, covered Major League Baseball World Series as a teenager. What? I had somebody who should have known told me that I was the youngest accredited media member at the 1983 World Series between the Phillies and the Orioles. And I did get to cover the first two games. Now, I have to be fair. We had a pretty large sports staff at the time. And... I, there may have been eight of us there, and I was probably writing the eighth most important story. I was writing about whether the temporary bleachers interfered with any foul balls and changed uh, how the game was played. I was writing whether weather was going to impact pregame preparations and things like that. Sure. The other guys had the more important stories, but I was in the auxiliary press box and covering. Uh, I did the first two games of the series in Baltimore. I was working at the time for the Baltimore News American and the sports paper they had called Sports First. And then when the series moved to Philadelphia, I stayed behind. Actually, the day that the Orioles clinched in Philadelphia, I was helping cover the Colts playing against the Buffalo Bills. So we had to have, I think there were just two of us back there and probably five or six guys up in Philadelphia. But I did get to cover the first two games of the World Series as, as a teenager. So great. Incredible. I mean, he had my dream life, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, now let's bring it full circle. It says, now covering, and we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule, <laughs> because as of this recording, Littles, he's in the deep of it, yeah. okay? He's covering the Little League Baseball World Series right now. Yeah, I've uh, already made two trips back and forth from my home in the Scranton area to Williamsport. It's almost a two-hour ride each way. And I'll go back most of the days in the series up through when it ends on the 27th, work on various stories there. It's something I've done since becoming, uh, with all the changes in the newspaper business, that I have become primarily a freelancer for the last few decades, actually. And about 11 of the last 15 years, I think those are the numbers, I've been going out to Williamsport to help out-of-town newspapers with their coverage of the World Series. Wow, that's, that's great. That's exciting. So as we said, Littles, not knowing when this will air, I'm guessing there'll be just about another week left of this, the series mm-hmm. out in Williamsport when this airs. But how exciting. Now, do you have any favorite teams? I mean, how does all that work for you? Well, the favorite teams are something that I really do believe. I believe in the journalist side of being a sports writer, and I really try to stay away from that. But yep. Any kind of sports writer will tell you they're rooting for a good story. Mm-hmm. And that means the team you're covering winning. Sometimes there's good stories when they lose. But I am this year covering for the Providence Journal, the Smithfield, Rhode Island team. So when they have good days, such as in the first U.S. game of, of this year's series, when they won 3-1 to one and their starting pitcher, Connor Curtis, went out and struck out 15 batters, uh, when things like that happen, it makes for easier stories, happier people than I'm interviewing. So that always works out. But I will say that I was not certain as a sports editor in Scranton, I had sent writers out to the World Series for one or two stories a year at times. And we had picked up a lot of things off of the wire services. I was not sure what to expect the first time I went to Williamsport. Wasn't even sure if I wanted to do it. By the time I was done with the first one, I was eager to go back Anytime somebody wants my help, it's really an exciting, interesting event. You could always wonder about things like 11 and 12-year-olds being interviewed, but most of them handle it well. They're well-protected. 
they seem to adjust to it. It's a little pressure on kids that age at times, but overall, it's a really exciting event and a really unique event. And I've always wondered that, like, what's it like having to go up to a coach after losing a close game or even getting, you know, shellacked, you know, but you got to do your job. You got to go ask them questions like, what happened, coach? You know, I mean, do they at that level handle that as well? I mean, and the kids as well. Do you actually interview kids after a loss? Well, Little League World Series handles it very well. They have a routine. They bring people to the press conference. So everything is monitored. Everybody is in the rare case that a reporter might ask an inappropriate question of a a little too pushy to a kid that age or anything like that. They are Little League Baseball International makes sure that that everything is handled in a proper setting and that nobody ends up being too uncomfortable. But the routine is... Uh, usually just the losing manager, not as players come over. So kids aren't generally being asked about gotcha. anything immediately after That's a loss. Good. Yeah, and then usually the winner comes in with a couple of players, anywhere from two to four players. They sit at a table in front of the room with microphones. And, you know, in the case, again, of the first game, the Rhode Island players, one of the other reporters ended up following up with a question of the manager just about how mature those two 12-year-olds seemed. And they answered questions as well as any major leaguer would in the same setting. And other times you get kids who are, are really nervous and have a hard time coming up with two or three words to say and need a little nudging and coaching from their coaches. Yeah. But you get a mix of, of everything there. But it is handled very well by the people running the event. Yeah, and what sure. an experience for the kids. Yeah. That's amazing. That's what I was thinking. Um, and it, it preps them. But yeah, I got to be sure. honest, it can go in the other direction, too, in my opinion. OK, I want to get your curiosity feedback on this here. All right. So not everyone, but a lot of people are on Facebook. So you connect with people from high school, blah, blah, blah. So now people my age have kids mm-hmm. that are older, you know, and they're out of co- they're in college, whatever. I'm talking about the ones that were in like, let's say, sixth or seventh grade. They're in Little League. This is Little League, but this is not Little League World Series. This is like hometown. Y- you know what I'm saying, right? Uh-huh. OK. There was one year where I think we got trophies because we won our division. There's no playoffs. There was nothing like that. We won our division. And that was all just because the coach decided to make the purchase of buying us trophies. And it was just little tiny trophies. These were not big trophies. Yeah. There were little trophies. And it just had our season and the team name. I think I dropped it a few episodes ago. It was the Pirates. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And... That's it. That was the only thing. Even when they did win other things, the league didn't really do any trophies and stuff like that. Okay. Recently, I saw a post where now they are doing championship rings. What? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Now, the thing that I have an issue with is these are just little sixth grade kids. They're not even, it's not even like it was a high school win or even a middle school. You know, it's just community little league baseball. (laughs) And I was just like, are you kidding me? And these rings look pretty real I'm I'm sure they were not very expensive like you know the real world series rings (laughs) but just the whole thought process behind I was like is that what this is all about now I don't know why it bothered me maybe I'm jealous because I never got one maybe but I don't know I mean what does the little league world series do well I just my first response to you is I was wondering whether those are adjustable rings those are still growing yeah right yeah right And I will agree with you. That sounds like a bit much. But having said that, what I'm about to tell you next may sound like really way too much. But what you have to picture here is now we're talking about, oh, the top 250 kids in the world. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Sure. So now they have gone through all these steps. And let's face it, there is money being made through ESPN broadcasting rights 
And nobody pays an admission at the Little League World Series, but they do pass a hat like they would at a local game, or I should say tin cans. Yeah. And when they pass these big, I want to say coffee cans or whatever, through the various sections of the crowd, the last game on opening night, there were 15,000 people there. So I'm assuming they gather in some money and they make some money off of the ESPN broadcast fees and things like that. And oh, and most of all, off of all the sales in the gift shop. But Having said that, the players get treated wonderfully. First of all, there's stars walking around signing autographs. Yeah. They're doing media appearances. They're adored by everyone there. But on top of that, they get all kinds of equipment. They get custom-fitted cleats. They get bats. They get gloves. Oh, wow. As the manager said to me the other day, most importantly, they get a set of uniforms that nobody else in the world gets. Because yeah. you only get to wear that metro region uniform if you're one of the 12 players on the team yep. that made it to Williamsport. So they get all kinds of you know warm-up gear and alternate jerseys and things like that. And the kids seem to love the most getting fitted for the best bats from the sponsor. There's no asking mom or dad whether they can spend a little extra for the best bat. I think they all come out of there with at least two brand new bats that are probably the nicest that are made or among the nicest on the market at this time. So they come out of it with an awful lot to take home from the experience after it's over. That's so cool. That is really cool. That's and that, cool. that's well-deserved. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm yeah, talking about right. community, <laughs> small town, <laughs> Little League baseball. Like after school. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Anyway, like T-ball. Yeah, Basically yeah, T-ball. Yeah. You know, and they get rings because yeah. they won their, you know, divi- anyway. All right. Well, we've got a lot more to get into, but we've got to take a quick break. Okay. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Meet the Littles. This is the Loyal Littles Podcast with Chuck and Roxy. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. And Roxy, we're lucky enough to have Tom Robinson with us. Yes. Getting all this insight on the Little League World Series. Uh Now, he filled out the form in great detail. There's a couple other things that I want to touch upon before our fun dub questions, though. Let's do this. It says co-author, 11th grade math books. And serve as uh, developmental editor of medical texts? Yeah, uh, that transition I talked about in 1999, I left the newspaper business as a, as a full-time venture. And I worked for two years in educational publishing. So that is where I made the transition from there to become a freelancer. I combined both my educational publishing work and my sports writing work into a freelance business. And in the early years of that, it was an awful lot of the textbook side and a little bit of sports. And then through the years, it kind of worked its way back to being mostly sports now. Mm -hmm. But I did a series of books, sports biographies, mostly for young readers, the kind that you would find in your school library. I did write a series of six books on math and sports, which was a, I felt like a perfect fit for me. For example, the book on baseball would explain how batting averages were figured out mm-hmm. and explain how to figure out percentages and things like that and take it through somewhat of a math lesson mixed in with talking about baseball. So I did a series on that. And because of my other editing, I was asked to be a co-author on a couple of 11th grade math books as I was finishing up a lot of that portion of my career. The uh, math and medical editing is, those assignments are few and far between these days. I'm pretty close to to full sports on my freelance work, but uh, it is something I still dabble in every now and then. Okay, well, that kind of rang 
true to me, okay? Because I have a quick little <laughs> side story here. Because this blew my mind, okay? I used to date someone who was a uh, teacher. <laughs> what? Are you laughing that I used to date someone? This is how all your stories start. They're all... <laughs> I used to date someone. His exes. <laughs> well, all right. So she, all right, she was a teacher. Uh-huh. I mean, you're not wrong, Roxy, but no. I'm just trying to move on here. <laughs> and moved to New York to try to give it a go. Long story short, I can't remember. I wish I could remember the company. She got hired by a textbook company. Mm-hmm. And this blew my mind. Okay. It was one of the big ones. It was right above uh, Madison Square Garden in that oh, area. Okay. Wow. They have other offices too. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's huge. It's the one, any textbook you open up, it's Macmillan or something like that. Something like that. It, yeah. Anyway, the big, big company. Okay. This is not like a privately owned blah, blah, right. blah. Textbooks galore. They do all of them basically. Okay. She was one of two, two teachers on staff. Okay. Now that blew my mind because they loved her because they were like, oh, it's so great to have a teacher because what she would sit there, you know, it reminded me of that scene in Big uh-huh. when Tom Hanks, they're going over the new toy and he's like, I don't get it. Yeah, right. What does it do? What yeah. do you, he's like, what do you, you know, they're like, it's a toy. They're like, yeah, but it's not fun. Yeah. Like, so she would sit there and be like, awkwardly raise her hand and be like, can I be honest? As a teacher, I would skip this entire chapter. Mm. This chapter's stupid. Stuff like that. And, you know, all the people would be like, what, what, what are you talking, you know, <laughs> this has been in our book for five years. She's like, I know, but I'm just telling you. So to get input from a teacher right, is so valuable. Mm-hmm. And that blows my mind that they just don't do it more often, I guess yeah, is my point, right. you know, because they're the ones out there using these textbooks, teaching mm-hmm. the material mm-hmm. that's in said textbooks. So I don't know. I find that interesting how to get, like you said, someone about statistics and things like that. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Did yeah. you like doing that? Or was it so different from the other stuff that you just didn't really like it? Uh, the medical editing I did was very challenging. And I always, let me say this in both cases. In the medical editing, there were medical professionals involved in all of the review processes. And they were the ones writing. So I was just guiding them through the writing process and how to make sure you assign art to go along with what you're writing about and lining up the editors, the expert editors, and so on. But from the school side, very similar. When done right, almost often, most of the time, there were teachers involved in the various review steps. So in other words, when a chapter was written, it might be sent out to a typical editor for grammar-type editing, but at the same time, it would be in the hands of a school teacher or another advisor to come back with their comments. And then somebody in a role like myself might coordinate all the various different inputs and decide what needed to be done to go on to the next step. So when done right, the publishers are out there seeking out the input of the people who would actually be using those books in the long run. Right. That's good to know. Good. You know, and I should have prefaced my story with, I'm going back 20 some years. (laughs) Okay, so I mean, hopefully things have changed now. Yeah. All right, and then last thing I want to get into, because I have to. I'm just going to read it from the form. It says, I'm familiar with Oneonta. My younger daughter went to that other college in town, but also worked a summer camp at Hartwick. My cousin worked at Hartwick for years, and my father and I did an odd job there when I was in high school. Ah. All right. The obvious first question is, where do you land on cold cheese pizza, I think? (laughs) But maybe we should save that. I don't know. It's up to you. Well, my daughter, Bridget, introduced me to cold cheese pizza. I think she was a bigger fan of it than I was. Okay. I, I, I disliked it, but I have my own specialty pizzas in different places that I like better. But mm-hmm. uh, it was a good change of pace. Uh, I, I think Bridget would tell you that it 
might have been required eating on most Friday nights. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> now, so she went to Oneonta. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, my daughter Bridget graduated from Oneonta State University or SUNY Oneonta, whichever designation you'd like to give it, as an environmental science major and nice. was a captain of the field hockey team. Then. Oh, excellent. Cool. Oh, that's great. Cool. Now, what's this project you did when you were in high school at Hartwick? I'm curious. Well, my father is a side job installed and repaired pool tables. And somewhere on the Hartwick campus, in a rec center or something along those lines, I don't know if it was eight pool tables or 12 pool tables or whatever it was, the school decided to provide them in one of the recreation rooms. And my father was the person contracted to put them all up. There really is an art to installing pool tables and getting the felt just right on the surface there. I am one of the least mechanical people you will ever meet. So my job was to walk around and set out nuts and bolts and follow his instructions and no, not that wrench, the other one and all right. those types of things and help him when it came time to lift the slate. I don't know if people know how pool tables are constructed, but below the felt are three heavy pieces of slate that are butted together. And when it comes time to put them up on the frame, it's not the not the heaviest thing in the world, and I wasn't the strongest teenager in the world, but I was on the other end lifting the slate, helping him put it in place, and then, as I said, basically just doing the errands to keep him from having to get up and down off the floor a hundred times. I would set out parts and things like that. Yeah. Now, I'd like to say, but I don't even know what your age is, and I don't need to know. I was trying to think of if I could remember a place that had a pool table on the Hartwick campus, and I can't off the top of my head. So that's good for me, probably. <laughs> this, in the late 1970s, we would have been doing this job. Okay, so, well, I know I didn't attend then, Roxy, but you, yeah, you maybe it was even still there. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. It was probably gone by the time yeah. I got there. But I'm trying to think, no, because we had one of those like cafes where it was like the loungy kind of thing. Mm. Uh, it was an alternative because it was a small campus. You know, Hartwick's not a big college. So, you know, we had the main cafeteria, but then there was the other alternative yeah. for like off campus people uh-huh. that they yeah, needed, right. some, you know, to get a, some food and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that would be, I think, the place or outside of that. It was called the Agora, I believe. Ah. Anyway, now, was the uh, camp your daughter worked at, was that a field hockey sports camp? Yeah, her coach at Oneana, I believe, had been a star player at Hartwick and was still good friends because the Hartwick head coach was a longtime coach at that point. So they scrimmaged each other a lot. They would play a game during the season, but they would scrimmage in the preseason to get a little extra work against other teams. They had similar strength programs. So the players from the two teams got to know each other. And the one summer, the Hartwick coach, I don't know if it was at the suggestion of the Oneana coach or something she saw in my daughter on her own, but my daughter ended up being asked to work the field hockey camp at Hartwick the one summer. Oh, that's so great. He went there and worked it alongside the Hartwick players that she would play against later on that fall. Right. And cool. I have to give a quick plug. The camps at Hartwick over the summer are fantastic. Yeah. At least they used to be. I haven't yeah. heard about them in a while, but the music camps are ridiculous too. Mm-hmm. But the sporting and the Music camps were both really highly toted. You know, I know people from all over the country that would come to these oh, cool. uh, for the summer. And just not to leave your older daughter out. Now, this is going to be funny. You put on here, Roxy will probably be familiar with, but I bet she's not, but I am. It says my older daughter graduated from Point Park University. Uh-huh. Do you know who that is? Oh, yeah. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, mean, I have a lot of friends that went there. Oh, okay. Graduated. Right. Yep. My dad drove me all the way from New York. This is how bad he wanted me to be a country music star. Yeah. Okay. Drove me <laughs> oh, no. all the way from New York to Point Park for an audition oh. for Opera Land. Now, Opera Land doesn't really exist anymore. Whoa. Maybe the one in San Antonio does. 
I don't know. There was two. There was one in Nashville that's not there anymore. But anyway, Opera Land was like an amusement park for like a summer thing. And he, there was auditions. And I told him about it. He's like, you're auditioning. You're auditioning. I'm, <laughs> I, he literally drove me. I'll never forget it because it was in the early 90s. Because mm-hmm. I'll never forget. We were in a hotel room in the middle of Pennsylvania somewhere uh, spending the night. And that's when Carter hit the walk-off home run for the Blue Jays. Oh, cool. In the World Series that year. Mm-hmm. That was against the Phillies, I believe. And uh, yes. yeah, it's funny how you have these memories of, you know, where you were, where were you on this time and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. And I just remember watching that game in the hotel room with my dad mm-hmm. on an overnight stop heading mm-hmm. for my Opera Land audition. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> Point Park. <laughs> yeah, it's good college, though, from yeah, what I hear. So. Yeah. Yeah. So from what I learned, my daughter, Casey... Uh, one of her dual degrees was in classical ballet. Oh, cool. And what I would assume, and during her time there, is probably both of you in the professions you're in, that you probably run across some Point Park graduates, whether you realize it or not as you go. It seems to be from everything they presented to us when Casey was choosing schools and when she was out there, it seemed to be that they do very well in your fields as far as they I know. They do. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. Yep. All right. Well, Tom, sadly, we're all out of time. So much more I feel like we could get into. But uh, we've got some fun dumb questions for you. We hope that's okay. All right. That sounds good. All right. Let's start with, if you could be invisible for a day, what would you do? I think everybody would in some form just want to be privy to conversations they normally aren't. I don't want to listen in on anybody talking about me. I don't want to go there. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. I think I'd, I'd just like to be, because my background is in sports, I'd like to be behind the scenes, being able to, to listen in. I, I won't say the New York Yankees because I'm not necessarily a Yankees follower, but uh, maybe the New England Patriots, maybe see what Bill Belichick's coaches' meetings are really like or something <laughs> along those lines. I know what coaches say to the media when we ask questions, but I'd like to hear a little more often what they say to each other when we're not there. Yeah. And everyone knows we're Red Sox fans, but I mean, I got to be honest. I mean, especially on a year like this when, you know, Red Sox are just having just as bad practically. But, you know, to be on the fly on the wall with Cashman and Boone in his office right now, I would just love to hear one of those meetings mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you say. <laughs> All right, Roxy, what's next? Okay. Would you rather win an Olympic medal, an Academy Award, or the Nobel Peace Prize? Well, I'm probably going to get an obvious answer on this. I I think it would have to be the Olympic medal. Obviously, I didn't end up where I'm at in the work I do without growing up just being surrounded by sports and wanting to make it to various levels in different sports, depending on what time of the year it was. So an Olympic medal would be the one. Cool. Gotcha. Cool. All right. What's the one movie you love so much that you know you will be best friends with another person just by them loving it as well? Well, that would be the big chill. I, I told this story at times. Huh. Back in my days in Baltimore, I was a young man working at the newspaper, the same age as basically the college students in town up in Towson, Maryland, right outside of Baltimore. And I went out to a bar on a Friday night, like some people do around that age at, at times. And just after a little while, I decided that that wasn't the thing that night. And there was a movie theater across the street. I knew absolutely nothing about the movie. And just walked over and sat down and watched The Big Chill, and it became one of my all-time favorite movies. And it's one of them that everybody says those movies that come on in the middle of the night and you end up having to sit through them. That's one of those for me. Oh wow! Interesting. 
Might have to add it to the list because I've never seen You've it. You've never seen it? You've never seen it. I'm I've sh- seen it. What? I've Whoa. seen it. Whoa. This has to be a new game. I saw it in a... Non-Disney movie that Roxy's seen yeah. that Chuck hasn't. I saw it in high school in one of my classes, and I'm not really sure why, like, what the connection was to the particular class. I think it was maybe social studies. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. We had it on beta. Really? We own it. I, I'm sure my dad still has it in storage yeah. you know, at his house yeah. on beta, mm-hmm. but I just never plopped it in. Now, that it was a Best Picture winner, right? It may have been. I know there are at least some of I don't know if it was Best Picture, oh, okay. but I, some of the actors involved, yeah, sure. there were yeah. some awards there. I think Glenn Close may have, may have received an award for yeah. that. Oh, okay. that. Yeah, okay. All right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I'm going to ask your movie. I'm interrupting just briefly, but I know you talk about those movies you haven't seen or whatever. And I picked up that Roxy is a big Tom Cruise fan, it seems to be. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> so, I'll throw one in there that uh, I don't think it's one of his more famous ones. From my background, I enjoyed it. You might very well hate it. But there's a, a movie named All the Right Moves where Tom Cruise right. is a high school football player. Oh. So I, I'll throw that out there for you to, to maybe put a on that list that you have of movies okay. to see. Okay, I mean, I might... I Look, I know I've probably seen it when it for way back in the 80s or whatever, but I haven't seen that in forever, so... Mm-hmm. Might want to put that... Well, all right, we'll, we'll check it out. <laughs> oh, man. All right, Roxy, let's get you off the hook here and go to some rapid fire. All right, Coke or Pepsi? Coke. All right, I'm going to say this very carefully. Okay. Mr. Furley or Mr. Roper? Oh, that was... Uh... The original was the Ropers, right? Mr. Roper worked better yep. for me. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Okay, now I have to pause here because <laughs> I'm hoping David Spector is listening. This is what happened. Remember when he said normal fell? Oh, normal. Okay, yeah. he wrote in and said, normal. oh my gosh, damn, autocorrect, blah, 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 blah. On my paper, Roxy, I'm reading it. It says Farley. That's why I've been saying Farley. He corrected yeah. us. Uh-huh. And that's mm-hmm. why I'm going to take a pen right now <laughs> and correct that and correct it. <laughs> so I'm still not making excuses for myself, but I still got it wrong. Uh-huh. But that's why. Yeah. It, I was literally reading the paper. Yeah. It's Mr. Furley. Okay. Yep. <laughs> All right. What's next, Roxy? All right. Smooth or crunchy peanut butter? Smooth, but I'm a little flexible on that one. I will eat crunchy, but if I'm buying, it's smooth. Okay. All right. Pancakes or waffles? Don't do a lot of either, but pancakes. Okay. All right, Uranus jokes, not funny or never not funny? One of the reasons they're never not funny is because they're either good jokes or sometimes they're such bad jokes that aren't really funny that that's what becomes funny about (laughs) Right, right. And it's about the delivery. Someone said that recently, and that's true. Uh That's very true. So, Tom, we can't thank you enough for coming on to Meet the Littles. How can we get in touch with you if you want to be gotten in touch with? Anything to plug besides, I guess, the World Series, right? Yeah, anybody who is interested in the Little League World Series might be able to pick up a few things on my Twitter account at, at Tom J. Robinson. And I know many of our littles are in the different variations of the media world. So I'll put a little plug out there that I remain uh, an available sports writer for events anywhere from Syracuse down to Philadelphia, Baltimore, Penn State area or whatever. So Anybody out there who ends up needing a little help on something, I think they can certainly find me online. They can find me through Twitter and certainly find uh, any of my work with all the proper searches that all of us know how to do these days. Gotcha. All right. And we'll make sure we put all that information in the show notes. So thanks once again. And as an homage to the big show, we'll get you out of here on this. Over or under? Under. Really? Okay. I like it. 
Any reasons why, particularly? Just seems to roll out easier when it's needed. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're in the minority. I hope you realize that. I have picked up on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. good for you, though. Good for you. All right. Well, Tom, thanks again for coming on to Meet the Littles. We really appreciate the time. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you fitting me in on this. I enjoy listening to the show, and we'll keep doing so moving forward. Oh, well, thanks for Thank that. Thank you, yeah. All right, all you loyal listeners. We'll be right back. I'm Christopher Giannini from Memphis, Tennessee, and you are listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Chuck and Roxy, Tom Robinson here checking back in. I never gave you a chance to use that Barry the Lead buzzer, but I'll give you a second chance here. Tim Kirchin said hello from out in Williamsport. I probably should have mentioned that during our conversation. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. <laughs> Chuck, you sound so down. Well, I mean, <laughs> Littles. All right, first of all, thank you for coming on to meet the Littles, okay? We appreciate it. <laughs> but, I mean, that has to be the ultimate barrier ever. I know, that was the latest He called us lead. back. Yeah. Like, we were done. We, go, we talked, we got his address, we're going to send him his little sticker and all that stuff, and... <laughs> All of a sudden, we get, he calls me, because by the way, he goes, I, I can't believe I forgot to tell you this, but, you know, I ran into Tim Kirch at the Little League World Series, and he wanted me to make sure I said hi to all the littles. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> and he's like, should I record another little tidbit? So I'm like, yeah, you, I'm just going to hang up. You record something, and we'll put it on there. So, littles. There it is. There you have it. Uh, the funny thing was, it wasn't like a lot of times we'll talk after. I mean, I just can't even. It was great. Hi, Tim Kirchin. Episode, hello. TBD. TBD, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully uh, he'll get a number soon. Yeah, he sent us actually a really cute picture. Tim, uh, to be expected, is great. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. And he took pictures with his grandson. Gr- he took his grandson to the Aww. games the other day. Yeah. And, and Tim took pictures with him and stuff like that. And yeah. So, <laughs> oh my God, that'd be great to get Tim. That'd be really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk all about avocados. So Ooh. anyway, one quick thing from the, the interview, though. The Big Chill. Oh, I wanted yeah. to uh, clean up on aisle Chuck, I guess, but because I said some things, he said some things. We were close. It is. It was a 1983 American comedy directed by Lawrence. Cass- comedy? Comedy drama film. I would say all drama. Okay. I don't remember any comedy in it. Oh, well, that's what it says. I don't know. Okay. Starring an ensemble cast consisting of Tom Berenger, Glenn Close, Jeff Goldblum, William Hunt, Kevin Kline, Mary Kay Place, Meg Tilly, and Joe Beth Williams. The plot focuses on a group of baby boomers who attended the University of Michigan reuniting after 15 years when their friend Alex dies by suicide. Mm -hmm. Now, the funny part was, when I read that up to there, I was like, oh, this sounds just like a great show I I used to watch, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then it says, Kevin Costner was cast as Alex, but all scenes showing his face were cut. The Big Chill was adapted for television as a short-lived series, Hometown. Never saw that. Later, it influenced, it says. It influenced the TV series 30-something and A Million Little Things. Oh. Yeah. A Million Little Things. I loved it. I mean, there were some Mm -hmm. lingering season episodes that I was like, okay, let's get on with it. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean. Okay. So we had mentioned stuff. It was a 1984 Best Picture nominee. Okay. I thought it won. It did not win. No. It was a Best Picture nominee. Terms of Endearment won that year. Oh. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was also a nominee for Glenn Close. He, I think he said he thought she won. 
Yeah, she didn't. didn't. So she was nominated, but she didn't win. It was also uh, nominated for Best Writing Screenplay Written Directly for the Screen. Gotcha. That's what the category is. But yeah, Terms of Endearment won that year. And there was a lot of other split awards that year. It wasn't like a landslide. I guess I only remember the dramatic parts because I don't remember any comedic. Well, I'm sure there's... I mean, I'm sure a line here or there. Yeah, but to me, it was much more of a drama, and some interesting things happened. That when I watched it, the age that I was at, I was like, I don't understand why that. I don't like it. It's like when someone says a funny romantic thriller, and then yeah. Anyway. What does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. Some past jobs I've had. Uh-oh. Yeah, oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's is. just bad. <laughs> you don't want to put those that combination together. It's just going to be bad. Right. All right, Rock, so let's get to our email, shall we? Let's do it. Brian Muller, episode 167. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, 167. I don't know why it doesn't... Why did you say it like that? I don't know, because it was 167. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was something... Yeah, I guess that's right. He says, commission on shampoo sales? You bet. I'm in on this. This windfall of cash will go straight to the new boat fund that you guys will get to enjoy as Ooh. well. P.S. Listening to you guys while kayaking on Table Rock this morning. Jealous. <laughs> yeah. All right, Roxy, what's next? All right. Next we hear from Tim Cree, episode 107. I've had a violet crumble. It's a bit overrated, needlessly crunchy, and messy. Now, that's the thing that Eric was describing. Yeah. Right? And we yeah. Th- thought it was like the vanilla wafers, maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I can't remember yeah. if that's exactly. All right, then Chris Campbell, episode TBD. I love this when this happens, when we mm. get some newbies. Okay, he wrote, so this year I moved my social media sabbatical up a month to July. About a week in, I decided to give the Loyal Littles podcast a tryout. Here I am with summer about to end, and I've consumed 102 episodes. Ooh. That's a lot of Chuck and Roxy. <laughs> but he then says, love Chuck and Roxy, and hearing about many littles and a few bigs. As someone who has listened and read Mr. Tony since 1992, getting to know backstories on so many of the callers and emailers to the big show has been outstanding. Many blessings to those who give of their time to entertain the masses. Aww. Chris Campbell, episode TBD. I know, right? Well, let's, we got to get you on, Chris. Yeah, right? Yeah, you need your number. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next we heard from Joe Maloney, episode 73. Maybe your bartender ran out of Pepsi and figured you didn't know any better, but a Roy Rogers is made with grenadine and cola, not ginger ale. You are correct, though, that the Roy Rogers was marketed to boys as much as a mocktail is ever marketed, I guess. Perhaps the idea of boys drinking a bright pink drink was scandalous in the 1950s, so a more macho variation was created. Maybe Roy himself preferred cola to ginger ale. Your guess is as good as mine. Joe Maloney, 73. The only thing better than a hockey segment is two hockey segments. Wait, does that spoil a certain initialism? Ooh. Ooh, I don't know. And we didn't hear from 178 for this episode. So that's all you're going to get. Yeah. As far as that goes. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm glad he clarified that. Because I knew it was something. I knew it was different. And the only thing I can think of is maybe because I was probably like five Mm -hmm. when this happened. Mm -hmm. And I probably like made a fuss that, well, I want what she's having. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like the waitress probably said, oh, Roy Rogers to my mom. And she was like, sure, but just bring what. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I didn't know any better. And Joe, to be honest, I haven't had a Roy Rogers Mm -hmm. or a Shirley Temple in a very long time. Unlike you, you've had them recently. I love Shirley Temples. And I've actually heard that a spiked Shirley Temple 
I heard this from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> Wait, what? Is a Shirley Temple Black. So Shirley Temple married a man. Yeah, His last yeah, name was yeah, Black, right? So the alcoholic version of a Shirley Temple is a Shirley Temple Black. But well, I also heard that what makes it alcoholic. Um, I think vodka or gin oh, or something. Okay. But then I've also heard another version where it's called a dirty Shirley. <laughs> My friends drink a lot of them. I have a few of a couple friends that they're all about the dirty Shirley's, but I'm like sitting there in my mind thinking about Gilmore Girls and the Shirley Temple Black. Well, I will also say I kind of lied there because I've had a few sips of your Shirley Temple mm-hmm. when you've ordered them and yeah. I love them. They're oh, so good. I only drink non-alcoholic Shirley Temples, like the standard Shirley Temple. I don't That's know, the though, only way to do it. A dirty Shirley. Eh, wonder what a dirty it. Roy is. To me, it ruins it. A dirty Roy? <laughs> wonder what that would be. I guess the same thing. Probably I don't know. like, well, I don't no, know, Maybe whiskey? rum or something. Well, because if it's Coke Yeah. Oh, maybe rum? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe a rum. Like rum grenadine, and Coke though? with grenadine? Is uh. that too sweet? I guess you don't have to get like coconut rum. You we need to get, get some rum so we can experiment. Let's try. And more importantly, <laughs> so then we can have the slushy drink that Amy brought on the boat for us. Yeah, we that have was to find amazing. a Sonic. Yeah, well, we don't need a Sonic. I, we just need, what was it? Mango slushy from Mango Sonic. Mango slushy from Sonic, but there's got to be something at 7-Eleven we can pour some rum probably. in. Probably. There's got to be a slushy at 7-Eleven. Probably. That so, all right, let's move on. Okay. We're here for Spitty Scoop, episode 62. This is going back to the Spark Notes thing. Uh-huh. He said, we don't know Spark Notes because we are old. <laughs> Spark Notes <laughs> started in 1999. I did not realize that. We had Monarch Notes as the competitor to Cliff Notes oh. back in our day. Now, I've never heard of those. No. Monarch huh. Notes? Never heard of it. I only knew I believe Cliff Notes. It. I never used them, but I only heard about them. Mm-hmm. So I only knew Cliff Notes. I'm curious if Monarch? you compared the three, Spark Notes, Cliff Notes, Well, that's Notes, what I'm wondering. Monarch yeah, like, like what's the go-to? Are there any differences? Well, first of all, is there any need for them anymore? Wouldn't you just go on the internet? I guess. And just yeah, get a probably. shortened version of Spark whatever. SparkNotes.com. Well, pro- yeah, probably. <laughs> but I just meant like in general, you probably don't even need that anymore. Yeah, probably You could probably not. just Google uh, what's yeah, Romeo and Juliet about? Yeah, so available to us and accessible, yeah, right? right. right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and then I have a real quick short one, so I wanted to do this one quick. It just says, I accept your apology, now get at ways. <laughs> Chris Davenport, episode 65. <laughs> get at it. <laughs> That's who it was. Ah, That's who yes. I, I couldn't remember where yes. I got it from or who said it. However, there was some banter about this. Now, apparently ways is for the car. Uh-huh. And we don't That's have a I car. Thought. That's right. So we don't have a car. So it doesn't really make sense for us. Yet. And he's, well, yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Once we get down there, Lewis, uh-huh. we'll need a car. Yep. Yeah, I get it. And I, I think it's what Sam had. I think it is too. When he drove us down to Jingle Fest that year, or Claire's birthday, which yeah, it's one. got the cute little icons. They yeah. Like little bubble ghosts. And, and it was pretty cool. It's cute. Because then yeah. you could be passing people. It shows you and who I think else you could has say waves. Hi or something. I don't know. Something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's a little creepy. You could wave to them like you do on a boat. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. All right, Roxy, we got one more, right? Yep, one more from Bill Skadare, episode 253. Chuck and Roxy, a belated thank you for your professionalism and kindness during my interview. It is amazing what talented editing can accomplish. Oh, Chuck. Now, Roxy. I had nothing to do with the editing of that <laughs> one. I did cut a little something off the bottom of that. Oh. That you're not allowed to see. <sighs> so, just want to throw that out there. I wanted to acknowledge that Bill sent something else on there. But maybe he's got a little surprise for you. Oh. Who knows? We'll see. We'll, we'll definitely <laughs> talk about it another time. But okay. <laughs> I don't know why I even brought that up then. But I know. Well, because I felt bad because I, that's not the entire email. Okay. <laughs> so I wanted to acknowledge that. I didn't want to be like, hey, I wrote a whole other Way paragraph. Spoil it, Chuck. <laughs> I wrote a whole other paragraph. Anyway. So anyway. Real quick, we have a little bit of time left. Mm-hmm. So we have all these need-to-know facts mm-hmm. left. 
and a bunch of them are football related. And hello, football is right around the corner. Oh my gosh, it's preseason has already started. Oh yeah, we're already two weeks in the preseason. There's only three games, so I think it's only like a week and a half, two weeks tops away until opening day. Yes, I think so. I, I got to check guess the calendar. September. Yeah, it's right around the corner, Roxy. Oh shoot. Yeah. So we have one of these. We've like three NFL themed need to know facts, and uh, this one I thought was interesting because it's about the rules. Oh. Okay. It says an NFL team may try an uncontested field goal after a fair catch. Now let that sink in for a second. Okay. I had no idea. This is news to me. American football is filled with strange and complex rules. For instance, after a fair catch, which is when the receiving team opts to receive the ball off of a kickoff without trying to run it back, accepting the spot of the catch. So when they take a knee there? No, or they, they kneel just down? They wave their hand or they oh, signal fair right, catch. Right, right. Okay. The receiving team may try for a field goal. On this particular field goal attempt, the team may try a field goal from the spot they received the fair catch, and the opposing team is not allowed to try to block it. While this rule is rarely used, it does exist. What would be the point of Littles. doing that, though? Well, I guess if you're... Because uh, unless you're in like a Hail Mary situation? Well, I guess if you're down two or three points and you're just and trying you to go for a tie. And you think you're going to kick the whole Well, ball. that's pretty much it. Through the from all honestly, it would have to be. I, I'm guessing if the kicker kind of muffed the kick and it was mm. a short kick, okay, and you got it like on your own 40 or something, yeah, but that how that's likely still ridiculous. is that, right? Well, that's the point. Mm -hmm. That's that's why most people probably doesn't even know the rules exist because yeah. no one ever does it. Why would you listen? I mean, at that point, you're going to probably do at least a Hail Mary of some sort. There are so many more rules in football I don't understand than any other sport. <laughs> yeah. I well, mean, well, I would say golf. There are some rules that I don't understand well. in golf, but I oh, I love watching football. I get really into it, but I don't understand half of it. <laughs> it's just like so frustrating. Fights, you like the fights. Oh, they don't really fight that much. They celebrate a little too much. It's like, come on. You caught a ball. <laughs> well, like, that's anyone the thing can nowadays. catch a ball. That's really annoying nowadays. And I mean, it's like really ridiculous. Someone and I don't told know if me, it's maybe my dad told me this. It's like how do they keep themselves hyped up. But I'm yeah. like, come on. Do you really, like, really? Or, like, they'll get, the other team gets, like, a first down, but they get a really good hit on the guy. Yeah. And they, like, and start celebrating. And they, like, run up I'm to like, the camera, and they're, like, But it's the first down. You didn't really accomplish what you right. really needed to accomplish was to hold them. <laughs> right. And I'm like, but sure, go ahead and celebrate. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. But I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's the new generation thing, I think. Is it? Yeah, I do. You don't see it in baseball. I th oh, yeah, you do sometimes. Really? Yeah. Not the as back much. backflips and all that stuff. And well, well, it's a home run. It's I a little it. more subtle. There's a little more Maybe. subtlety in, yeah, in yeah. baseball. No, that's but. true. That's true. All right, Roxy, time to get out of here. Okay. Let's uh, thank Tom Robinson again for coming on to Meet the Littles. Thank you, Tom Robinson, for coming on to Meet the Littles. Tell uh, Tim Karchin we said hi. Yes. <laughs> we hi. appreciate that. <laughs> I still can't believe that. I know. That's so cool. I'm he like, kind of knows who we are. I'm like, what? Yeah, well, that happened to us another time. Who was it? Was it Jeff Ma? I think said... We're like, I'm sure you don't know anything about it. He's like, oh, no, no, I've heard all about yeah. your podcast. Yeah. And I think yeah. Pablo, too, but yeah. Pablo is different a little bit. But uh -huh. even Jeff Ma was like, no, uh -huh. I've heard all about your... I'm like, what? Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Mm -hmm. All right, Roxy, tell everyone how they can get self-care if they want it. Go to modernselfcare.us. I should have said self-care at a discount. Yeah. Use the codes, little. Do it. Use the codes. I believe you get 20% off anything off our website. Yeah. It's Amanda, right? Yep. Yeah. So go over there. Get yourself some self-care. Mm -hmm. And if you need a book, go to aaronsbooks.com. And the important thing there is during checkout in the comment section, not the code, 
section. There's a little, you know, the the promo. No, no, don't do that. Because he wants to know it's a little. Yeah. And you'll get a little message back in the comment section. You use our code LLPOD. Use the code. Don't be a dope. Bye. Tim Kirchin said hello. podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. And I like to laugh and he often makes me laugh. Oh yeah.